Welcome to Exploring the Enneagram with Dr. E, featuring your host, Dr. Deborah Egerton. In this program, we take a look at how you can begin to see how you show up in the world by looking at your Enneagram personality type, improving your relationships, and so much more. Now, here is Dr. Deborah Egerton. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. Whatever time it is when you're listening to this, I'm really hoping that you're having a fantastic day. And I feel so honored that you're taking some part of this day to spend with me talking about the Enneagram. In our recent shows, I've had several Enneagram practitioners talking about the Enneagram and the books that they've authored and their practice out in the world. But today I want to take a bit of your time to get to know a little bit more about what you might like to hear in exploring the Enneagram. I'm going to share some stories about my life and why I went down this path and why I am an Enneagram practitioner, primarily because I just have seen how much good it has been to so many people, how much good has been accomplished, how their transformative journeys have been just nothing short of amazing. And when people find out about the Enneagram and apply it in their lives, the most important thing to me is recognizing how their relationships become stronger. I discovered the Enneagram, I would say two decades ago. Uh, I was a uh, psychotherapist practicing at the State University of New York up at uh, New Pulse. And during those years, I would have students that came in to see me and often they were in distress for one reason or another. And I was grateful to be in a position where I could help them in whatever way I possibly could. And so I have always been someone who loves reading and finding about new things and sharing what I learned with other people. And that was when I first stumbled on the Enneagram. That was through a book, Wisdom of the Enneagram, that was written by Don Riso and Russ Hudson, who we had on the first two shows. Uh, I hope you'll go back into the podcast under the show and listen to Russ talk about the Enneagram as he's such a great authority on all things the Enneagram. And I think you'll enjoy listening to those shows if you miss them by any chance. But after finding wisdom and starting to read it over a period of years, I recognized that there was some work that I really needed to do in my own life. And the old adage, physician heal thyself, or know thyself first, really struck home for me. I have a lovely life. I have a wonderful husband, three children, and believe it or not, seven grandchildren. How the heck did that happen? But I want to tell you that my life has been deeply enriched by learning more about the Enneagram. So what was that journey like for me? Well, it was interesting. It wasn't easy. Uh, it was enlightening, illuminating. Um, it was definitely and continues to be gratifying, 
But let me tell you how I got there. My mom died in 1996. And, you know, I always share with people that when you lose your mother, you get membership in a club that you really don't want to be a part of. But the people who have lost a parent, mother or father, really do understand how you're going through something at that time after you lose them. It's almost as if you feel like you're no longer tethered to the earth. Uh, the person who brought you into the world is no longer in the world. And so for those of us that were having that experience, I talked to so many people who had words of comfort and empathy and sympathy for me. Uh, however, without my mom, I felt lost and still surrounded by the love of family and the love of God. Just, it was that moment when something has happened and you go to pick up the phone and call your mom and you realize you can't do that anymore. So that was one of the moments where I recognized that I just needed to strengthen my relationship with my creator, with my faith, because that was what was getting me through that period of time. And as I read more and more about the Enneagram, I began to see some glimpses of my mother in one of the types. And I also began to see glimpses of myself in one of the types. And I continued to read and study. And as I did that, uh, other people started showing up in the book. And it was like, wow, I know who that is. That's one of my sons. And there's my daughter. And oh my gosh, there's my Aunt Daisy. And so I could, I could see the different personalities coming to life. Well, that just got me curious. There's no other word for it. I was just curious. And I decided to see if I could find a place where I could find a class. So I did. And I got on the internet and found um, Riso Hudson uh, giving classes. And this was before they had the place called The Barn, where you can go now. But I went up to uh, Pennsylvania and started taking classes and studying at the Riso Hudson Institute, the Enneagram Institute. And every time I would go, I would feel like I was going to boot camp and I would come back home and my husband would look at me and he'd say, you seem a little different. And I would just share with him, I feel a little different. And each experience for me was one of really peeling back the layers of who I am and how I show up in the world. Some of it was amazing, and I could see things that I had been hiding from. I could see gifts that I had that I was not bringing into full fruition. And I could also see ways that unintentionally I may have hurt some people. And as I explored that path, I thought, you know, this is something that I want to keep in my life because it's kind of keeping me on my toes. I never realized I would go as far with it as I have and would someday end up being an Enneagram teacher and helping other people in that way. 
but I am I'm grateful that I was able to stay with it for that long and I will continue to stay with it. So I want to encourage you to take a look at it because you can find so many things about who you are that have been sort of blind spots or areas of your personality, areas of your being that have been left unexplored. And, you know, an unexplored life is very unfulfilling. Um, There's so much about who we are that really matters. And when we know who we are, we can step fully into whatever it is that we are meant to do and find happiness. When I think about happiness, I think about how often people go on a journey looking for happiness or looking for love or looking for that next day that things are going to be better. But we have the opportunity to have all of those things right in the moment that we are sitting in and breathing air right right now, right at this very second. And even if there are things going on in your life that are less than satisfying, uh, that are harsh, that are difficult, it really takes slowing down, getting in touch with yourself, connecting with who you are and who created you, and recognizing that there's power in that. We're not powerless. We're not, we don't have to be lost and we don't have to be lonely. So how else did the Enneagram help me? Well, let's just start right at the beginning. All of the things that were left unsaid between me and my mom before she passed. As I began to explore my mother's particular Enneagram type, I could actually see the ways that things that maybe irritated me were just part of who she was. And the funny thing now I have to share with you is that you know how sometimes you play a little game with yourself and you say, if I had it to do over again, so I've played that game with myself when it comes to my mother. And I think if I had it to do over again, I would have paid more attention to how easily mom could just enjoy herself. In the earlier show, I revealed that I'm an Enneagram type one. So people who know the Enneagram will understand that type ones uh, are we're not the easiest people to be able to just put something down and just go have fun. But I have to tell you, my mother could do that. My mother could throw a party on the turn of a dime. I mean, she could just decide we need to have a bunch of people over at the house this weekend and that's the way it would be. And she would enjoy entertaining people and feeding people and, um, you know, the music would be on and people would be dancing. My mother loved life and she lived her life demonstrating that she loved life. I could have learned an awful lot from that. Unfortunately, 
not knowing myself and not understanding my own personal hardwiring, which was more toward perfection. I needed my mother to be perfect. I needed to be perfect. I needed to try to raise my children perfectly. I needed to keep my home eventually perfectly. Well, that's just exhausting. And I realize now that if I could have balanced a little of mom's joy with some of my responsibility, I think I would have had some, some years that were a lot happier than um, the early years of trying to figure it all out by myself. Um, the, even though my mother has passed on, before she left this earth, there was a beautiful, beautiful just coming together between us. Uh, we were always close. Um, I think I was a bit critical of my mother in my head, though I didn't often express it to her. But the moments that you share with your mother can sometimes give you um, something that lives on inside of you. And it lives on in a way that is just, it's an indelible imprint. And I had one of those moments with my mom right before she died and she looked at me and I felt like she really saw me and I was really seeing her. We were looking into each other's souls. And my mother said, you're so kind. And I love it that you were so kind. And I remember that. Well, my mother, type seven on the Enneagram, and you'll learn a lot more about that. I have a few sevens are going to be uh, interviewed on the show. Um, for her to slow down and look in my eyes that way and place her hands on my face and tell me how kind she felt I was, it was an indelible imprint that will last forever. And I'm grateful that I was awake enough to appreciate the preciousness of that moment. So as we go through our lives, we have opportunities to enrich relationships or to just let them cruise along in neutral. And while a relationship that cruises along in neutral, perhaps it doesn't really how can I say this? I would say it doesn't really create a lot of conflict or pain or strain, but sometimes it doesn't create very much satisfaction. And particularly if you're living your life in that way where your expectation is that whoever you're in relationship with, you're desire is that that person change the way that they are. Now, when I'm teaching, I stand up in front of a whole group of people and I'll say, how many of you um, are familiar with the concept that how can we live a fulfilling life? Whose behavior can we control Whose behavior can we actually manage? And to the very last person in the room, everyone will say, only our own. Well, folks, I have to tell you, only our own is the default knee-jerk 
response that we know to give because somewhere in the back of our minds, we know that that's really true, but we do not live that way. We tend to live our lives believing and expecting someone else to change what they're doing to suit our needs. So it's very simple. If you would just stop doing whatever it is that you're doing, then my life would be fine. Well, that's, a, that's an interesting concept because all of us will say we know we can only control our own behavior. If, if that is true, then why is it that when it comes time... Life can be confusing at times. There can be uncertainty, disappointment, and an inability to clearly see where you're headed. But it doesn't have to be this way at all if you understand how to take the next step in your life. Tune in to Living the Miracle with your hosts, Michael and Raphael Tamora. We'll help you to find the deeper meaning that awaits you in your life, have certainty in yourself, and learn to be clairvoyant. Listen Wednesdays at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Empowerment. Are you looking for a happier, healthier, and more fulfilled life? Do you want your business to thrive? Do you want to enjoy better relationships and find your purpose? Tune in every week to Stepping Into the Tenda Dao Chung Life Transformation with Dr. and Master Shaw with host Diana Gold Holland, who will share the wisdom of Master Shaw. You'll hear from inspiring teachers and listen to testimonials about life transformation. Stepping Into the Tenda Dao Chung can be heard Tuesdays at 3 p.m. in the West and 6 p.m. in the East on Voice America Empowerment. The Voice America Live Events Channel is here now to showcase your corporate, individual, or organization's live event. Visit voiceamerica.com forward slash live events to see all of our past live events and find out more. Whether it's a multi-day conference, special speaker, or single-day event, we've got everything to make your event a success. We can do a few hours or a few days. For more information about taking your event to the next level, call Jeff Spinard at 480-294-6417 or email info at voiceamerica.com. Again, that's Jeff Spinard at 480-294-6417 or send us an email to info at voiceamerica.com. Voice America is where you are and where you want to be. Join us around the globe as we broadcast live from some of the most interesting events available. Don't forget to view all our live events, including on-demand access to past events that you may have missed by visiting voiceamerica.com forward slash live events. The White House doctor makes house calls. Listen every week for House Calls with Dr. Connie Mariano. Dr. Connie has served as the White House physician under three U.S. presidents. Now she joins the Voice America Empowerment Channel to help you enrich yourself physically, emotionally, and spiritually. Our guests will include professionals from a variety of fields who will bring you tips that you can apply to your own life. Listen for House Calls with Dr. Connie every Thursday at 4 p.m. Pacific Time, 7 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. You are listening to Exploring the Enneagram with Dr. E, featuring Dr. Deborah Egerton. If you have a question or comment about the program, please send an email to dEgerton1 at trinitytransition.com. That's dEgerton, the number one, at trinitytransition.com. 
Now, back to Exploring the Enneagram with Dr. E. So when it comes to really paying attention to what we say versus what we do, this is one of the major points in life where we don't exactly do what we say we want to do. We tend to have a double standard on this. We understand the reality of not being able to control anyone else's behavior. What can we control? We can control our reaction. We are responsible for our own reactions to whatever it is that someone puts in front of us. The Enneagrams are very useful to me in that way, and that's why it has strengthened my relationships, because there was a time where I didn't own my reaction. I didn't really own my behavior. What I owned was whatever the thing happened to be that was happening that I found annoying. <laughs> and I can laugh about that now because you don't know what you don't know, and you don't realize these things until you start looking at them. But boy, once I picked up that mirror and started looking at some of the ways my, my values, my core values, and my, my family values, my, my home training, so to speak, how it was aligned in one way, but sometimes my actions went in another. I talk a lot about the, the difference between making calm and rational decisions and what happens when you get angry, uh, when all of the reason and logic goes out the window and you're just reacting. Well, with my Enneagram work, I've been able to slow down those reactions and take some pauses and deep breaths and just think and feel and respond in ways that are more aligned with who I am and how I actually show up in the world. So my relationship with my mom um, got really better along the years before she passed and continues to be a beautiful thing because I think of her every day and she may not be on this earth in the way that I knew her, but I feel her with me. And I know she'd be super proud of me doing this because she knows how I love helping people. And I do hope that this will be helpful to you. I'm hoping that some of you will reach out to me, uh, email me. Uh, you can be sure to contact me on my website and all the information if you go through Voice America and tune into the empowerment stations, you can find me and find all the information you need to make connection. Moving on from the parental relationship, my mom, it got so much better. My dad, the same. My dad was a really easygoing guy. And before my father passed, uh, he and I shared some amazing moments that I don't think would have been as powerful or I would not have been as awake 
for them as I was during the years of my father's ultimate um, illness and, and death. But then I look at one of the most important relationships in your life. And for me, of course, with my marriage of almost 40 years, uh, my marriage to my husband, and I look at the things that we have navigated over 40 years of being together, of knowing one another. And what's really fascinating about staying with someone for 40 years is that in order to have a full, rich relationship, you're going to have highs and lows and ups and downs, twists and turns, moments that are unforgettable and moments that you just wish you could put in the trash can of your memories right away. So what has the Enneagram done for our marriage? It's done so many things by us both knowing the Enneagram that it's almost unbelievable. Um, I'm an Enneagram one. My husband is an Enneagram nine and we have shared language. So because we both uh, are students of the Enneagram, we know how to push or not push each other's buttons. <laughs> and it's, uh, it's, it really is interesting the way that we came together around learning the Enneagram. I know my husband watched me from a distance doing this for a while. And then I think that he noticed some changes in me. And the biggest change was releasing the expectation that he had to be the one to do all the changing. Now, I have to say to anyone out there that's listening that in a marital relationship, if your happiness is dependent upon the other person changing, then there's a problem. Because you should not ever have to wait for someone else's behavior to change in order for you to be happy. That's really important. Really, I can't emphasize that enough a really important part of being in relationship with someone, uh, learning not to make that person responsible for your happiness. And I'm not talking about relationships where there is abuse, psychological or physical. That is an entirely different category. That is something that needs to be faced, dealt with, and you need to move away and out of those situations. And to recognize that if you are being hurt, harmed physically in any way, psychological abuse can be equally as harmful as physical abuse. Because just because the scars don't show on the outside doesn't mean that you don't have scars on the inside. But when I'm talking about happiness, I am talking about the average everyday couple weekend. So let me set this up for you. It's Saturday morning. 
and you are looking forward to just spending that weekend with your partner doing whatever, going to the movie, maybe out to dinner, just hanging out. Um, you've both been busy all week, hardly had time for each other. I, I would question how much time did you really spend together each day after work? Maybe a couple of hours if you're lucky. So the weekend is it. That's all you get is the weekend. And so you wake up on Saturday morning and you go into the kitchen and somebody's going to put on some coffee and maybe the two of you are going to sit down over coffee and talk about how you're going to spend your weekend. And on the way to the kitchen, you trip over somebody's shoe or you see some dirty socks that didn't quite make it into the laundry bin, or the cap is not on the toothpaste when you go into the bathroom, or you make it all the way to the kitchen, but you realize that there are dirty dishes in the sink that were left there because whoever ate last didn't bother to put their, wash their dish, put it in the dishwasher, whatever. Now, those sound like just such petty, minor, little things. And in so many ways, they are exactly that, petty, minor, little things. However, they can start the weekend off in a way where the whole weekend just unravels. It starts something like this. Why is it so hard for you to just put your dish in the dishwasher? If you would put it in the dishwasher, at least I would know that you understand that I don't like for the kitchen to be dirty and I really don't like food left in the sink. I mean, how hard is that to do? Now, first of all, that tone right there is going to get me in trouble. <laughs> and it's going to do the same for you. So what I would say is that in those moments, you know, that's when we're choosing to not choose joy and to not go down a path that is going to lead to just being able to enjoy the weekend together. So there are some things that you learn to let go and there are some things that you learn to discuss at a later point in time, but not to destroy your whole weekend over something small. My Enneagram type is not one that lets things like that go easily. Here's what I'll tell you. That sink can get full of dishes and I'm going to do the very best that I can to make sure that either I'll take care of those or uh, the compromise for me will be just to ask and really nice tone, honey, would you put the dishes in the dishwasher tonight? It's just a whole switch of the way that I approach it. And making that switch, looking at the way that I might have asked for something to be done, or maybe it wasn't asking at all, it might have been telling. Um, it just has made such a difference in so many ways of how our weekends begin. 
and then how they begin to just sort of go along a positive path or down a negative road. It wasn't the behavior of not putting a dish in the dishwasher or clothes in a dirty clothes hamper or the cap on the toothpaste that makes the difference. What makes the difference is understanding that people are wired differently. And because we are wired differently, we pay attention to different things. As a one, I pay attention sometimes to little details around things that have to do with cleanliness or order, um, goodness, the right thing to do. Putting a dish in the dishwasher is the right thing to do. Through my lenses, if you don't do the right thing, I might not understand exactly why it's so hard for people to do the right thing. Here's the challenge. Everyone doesn't wear the same lenses that I do. And everyone doesn't wear the same lenses that you do. So when you look at nine different personality types, we have nine different ways of showing up in the world. And those nine different ways can cause a lot of confusion and chaos. But when understood, they can create love and harmony and connection and we can work together and live together and love together in beautiful and meaningful ways. So the language of the Enneagram began to come into my home. Um, my husband would tease me about my oneness. I would tease him about his nineness. The whole cycle of, oh, just conversation about things that we needed to talk about went from being surface level, which is what I call the symptom level. This is a symptom of a behavior. This is not necessarily what's underneath it. And by being able to talk to each other in language that we both understood, we could get to what was going on underneath. We could get to what those little behaviors really meant, what they, were, what they were sort of representing in our lives in a bigger way. And so we went from maybe having a couple of hours with each other, you know, during the weeknights, uh, to looking forward to talking to each other about what we were feeling and what we were thinking. Now, I have to just put it out there. I know some of you have partners that you just wish you could talk to about anything. And there are certain Enneagram types that are more detached than others. Here's what's fascinating. When you understand your own personality type and you understand your loved one's personality type and you can see the differences in how you are hardwired you don't take maybe a lack of conversation quite so personally. You don't take the willingness to or not willingness to engage in the same manner or with the same level of intensity quite so personally. You don't take little slights quite so personally. Why? 
because you're able to see a different perspective. You're able to understand that the behavior that is coming in your direction is being observed from a different perch. So if you're a little bird sitting up in a tree, you know, you can see certain things when you're on the bottom branches. You may be looking down at the sidewalk. But if you're a little bird that's all the way up on that top branch, you're looking up at the sky. And then when you try to have a conversation about what you see, you're not seeing the same things. So understanding each other at a deeper level is one of the most miraculous, healing, amazing ways to bring two people together that have decided that they want to spend their lives together and they want to spend their lives together being happy, um, being joyful, being a little bit more than just content or cruising in neutral, but that really want to have some depth to their relationship. I will say that that has been one of the most beautiful gifts of studying the Enneagram for me and my husband. Um, it's not much we can't talk about now, maybe some things sometimes that we don't want to talk about because we're still human. However, we've learned better ways to communicate with one another and learning good communication, honest communication, truthful communication without fear, without fear of the reaction that you're going to receive or the reaction that you're going to have is a powerful, powerful way to be in relationship because that's when your relationship is authentic. And authenticity, you being able to be who you are, your partner being able to be who they are, and yet coming together and bringing the best of yourselves into the relationship together, that's, that's what we all want. Now, sometimes we may say, well, that's what I want, but that's not what he wants, or that's not what she wants. Um, you know, we're, we can be pretty quick to write people off and just be a little sometimes self-righteous about what we think is going on in someone else's head. But what I'd love for you to really think about today, if your life is going in that direction where the communication is not so great and where the relationship doesn't have the, the depth where you're still just sort of dealing on a symptom level with the things that are going on in your relationship. One of the things to, to recognize is that if you cannot authentically show up in your relationship as the person that you really are, and the relationship is not helping you and you are not doing anything to help yourself to be the best person that you can be, that you were born to be, 
that's when you start looking at, well, how, how do I even get there? How, how do I become a better person? I mean, it sounds great, Dr. E, but how does that happen? Well, how it happens is you start pursuing a process that will allow you to look at yourself and begin to pull that energy back that you are putting into trying to make someone else over again and taking that energy back in and owning your own power and your own gifts and your own blessings and using that for good. So it doesn't just fall out of the sky. It'd be great if it did. Sometimes I feel like for a lot of us that we, we might need to have something fall out of the sky in order for us to wake up. My daughter and I used to laugh about this. I would say to her, you know, God throws pebbles first. And if you don't heed the pebbles, you might get hit with a boulder. Well, don't wait for the boulder. If there's a feeling of dissatisfaction with your life, and if you're really confused about who you are or what you need to be doing or want to be doing, and you can't seem to start to even get to the bottom of that. You don't even understand you, much less anyone else. Then start with trying to determine what your Enneagram personality type looks like. See which one of the archetypes fits you. And that will put you on a road that allows you to have a little guidance and to gain some insight into you. And that's where it all begins. So moving on and assuming that you decide to do some work on you, uh, and please know that you're worth it. And every moment that you spend trying to actually be the person that you were created to be, it's not wasted time. Stillness, meditation, reading, listening to podcasts, but not just doing those things uh, and not doing anything with it. Actually incorporating into your life, creating a way of being that allows you to be present and aware and mindful and to pay attention to who you are speaking to, to who you are spending time with and the way that you interact with other people, the way that you treat yourself, that speaks volumes. And that's really important to look at that. Sometimes we have not learned self-love and it is very difficult to extend to others what we don't extend or give to ourselves. So it's work. And when you hear people talk about doing the work, this is the kind of work that we're referring to. It's mindfulness. It's presence. It's practicing being loving. It's practicing being, not doing it's important to pay attention to how you show up to yourself 
and not just to rest on what your intentions were, but to also look at what your impact may happen to be. Uh, it's very easy to sometimes get in a situation where you have good intentions, but it all goes badly. If it all goes badly, apologize. You have a very short window of time when you hurt someone, even unintentionally, to repair that quickly so that it doesn't turn into something much bigger in the future. So, so as relationships, particularly romantic relationships go, it is important to look at what you're doing to contribute to having a quality relationship, a loving relationship, a warm and meaningful relationship with the people that are closest to you and that you care about. You know, kind of next on that list as we go from parents to, you know, marriages or partnerships, relationships, um, and then we look at our children. I didn't know the Enneagram when my oldest children were young. I did know it by the time my youngest child came along. And I really wish I had known all along through raising all three of my children, um, what their hardwiring happened to be. I look at that now and think, wow, gee, <laughs> some of that could have been so much easier. So for parents, what I would say, would say to you is that you can't skip over yourself and just try to figure out your kids. But you can learn about your Enneagram type and then learn about you know what you're seeing in your children with children it takes some time to develop um you know what you see at two is not what you see at four is different from what you see at six is entirely different from what you see at 12. so you kind of get to watch your child develop over time um, I wouldn't rush to judgment on the Enneagram type of a child. I would, you know, give that some time. But I'll tell you one thing. If you know all of your Enneagram types, you'll start to see some things. And it makes helping your child to understand the process of being awake and being present and being mindful you know, those are things that you can instill in your children without having to narrow it down to their type too soon. It's just uh, something that you can help them to learn that helps them to grow and develop in ways that makes their lives a little easier um, and take some of the pressure off of them that society places on everyone from the instant that you're born. One thing I can promise you is that when you tune in, I will always have some little surprise for you. Um, be sure to send me your questions so that I can respond to anything that you might be questioning about, and um, I will get back to you as promptly as possible. We will have callers calling in in shows in the future. And I really would love to know if there are some particular people that you would li like for me to have on the show and particular 
sort of challenges that you've found with the Enneagram and in what way I could possibly help. Uh, incorporate this into your lives, folks. I mean, I have to say, I look at my life personally. I look at my family. I look at friends. I look at colleagues. I look at clients, people that I've worked with over the years, and I have watched just such amazing transformations take place in their lives. And in today's world, anything that we can do that will help us to be a little kinder, a little gentler, um, to have more empathy and compassion, and to bring more love and light into the world, I think that's kind of important. If you have time this week, if you pass somebody on the street, just smile. Um, particularly if you're somewhere where you see someone's having a hard day, maybe you can say something that'll brighten their day. I know often I'll be in the airport and the flight's late and gee, the people behind the counter are sure catching it for the bad weather that has delayed that flight. But a kind word, here or there, can make a real difference. I really love being with all of you, and I hope that I will be back with you next week with a new guest, and maybe we'll have some really amazing Enneagram music. Please remember to sign up uh, if you would like to receive my Ennea Day Way, and we'll send you a little... Um, just a little motivational note for your Enneagram type. And you'll know that we're all thinking about you, working the, to get you to the best place that you can possibly be and wishing you the best. Talk to you next week. Thank you for listening to Exploring the Enneagram with Dr. E. Please join Dr. Deborah Egerton again next Thursday at 3 p.m. Pacific Time and 6 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Have a good week.